Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Hey everyone, so this week we will be talking about wearing your therapist hat and your business owner hat for all of my solo private practice, group practice owners. Um, and finding that balance. Let's dive in. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing decently well. How are you doing? You just had good, didn't you? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Yes. But you know what? Um, I think really what I meant to say was this week had a full moon. So yeah, I survived. Yeah. We're feeling the repercussions of that. Yes. Yeah. That is an actual thing. Yeah. If you work in the mental health field, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It has an uh, uh, impact on us. Yeah. I feel like I am. I have like a screw loose today. So just bear with me. My my thoughts are not thinking. So <laughs> I love that. My thoughts are not thinking. Come not on, brain. Doing the, the job that they need to to get this rolling um today we're talking about uh that balance between being a business owner and a therapist yeah how sometimes those are kind of in direct conflict with one another yeah those um you know I think that's probably one of the hardest things I've needed to to balance right because um as a therapist or job is to be understanding um you know it is in our character traits but also you know at this point these are as a business owner we have to make decisions to make sure that we're also taking care of ourselves not just the people that are under our care yeah yeah goes directly back to our episode from last week about Mm -hmm. burnout um and having clear boundaries in place um clear policies in place so that we can best serve our clients and they can truly know what to expect from the relationship right Right. yeah yeah it's before we jumped on we were talking a little bit I had asked you um kind of who might benefit from this episode and I think it's most most certainly um people who are solo practice owners or group practice owners um and perhaps even people who are interested in private practice I know for me this was really not something that came to the surface until I transitioned into being the one in charge of the policies that are being enforced. For sure. I remember that came up a lot when I was supervising, right, is technically I'd, whenever there was a client who was upset about a policy that was in place, they would get put through to me and then I would just talk about the policy. I'm like, nope, it's it's what the therapist said. I can it is that's what our policy is and now as you know running my own business of just figuring out where that line is because 
you know, boundaries are a therapist's best friend. That's how we are able to continue to do this work. And also, again, it is so important for us to model what healthy boundaries look like um, so that our clients know what boundaries are um, that sometimes it's going to change. So I think about sometimes when, um, you know, we're both EMDR therapists, when primary therapists want to collaborate with us. They may have their own way of what's acceptable during sessions. Like um, I, for one, am not okay with clients um, laying down in their bed during a telehealth session. Yeah. No. Um, let's... Can you elaborate why? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that while telehealth is incredibly convenient, that we can do it from anywhere that is appropriate and private, laying down on your bed with a tv in the background you're not actually focusing on the work that we're doing and with a modality like emdr um, you need to be focused and you need to be present um, because the work that we're doing isn't just talking and even with talk therapy you're not really going to talk through or, or process any information if you're having one eye on me and one eye on the tv screen you're you're distracted yeah you know that's not that's not appropriate yeah Yeah, I think that that's something that now that there are a lot more people that are providing telehealth services, um, a lot of people have had to kind of pull apart as far as what feels appropriate for um, them individually during telehealth and Mm -hmm. and what to what capacity they want to offer um, their services. And, And yeah, so it makes me think of, I mean, I'm there are therapists who might offer phone sessions Mm -hmm. or um, people who are more flexible depending on the type of service that they're providing. So maybe somebody who works with like postpartum issues Mm -hmm. um, might be more flexible with um, new moms or parents who have children who might be present during telehealth sessions. Um, Whereas in other specialties or areas, um, we might run into people who don't feel that that really fits what's helpful um, or how the modality works. And so, yeah, I mean, that's certainly one of the types of policies that is important to talk about with people and the people that we work with and consider so many different things that go into that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I find sometimes things arise that I would have never thought of. Like I remember when um, back when COVID was first a thing, Back in 2020, um, one of my clinicians had um, somebody hop on without pants. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, it's taking a sip of my coffee. Do you? <laughs> can you clarify pants? Pants, just in underwear. Um, had a shirt on, but underwear and very visible. Like in full view? In full view. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had to have a conversation about appropriateness. Um, you know, again, we understand this is from the comfort of your home. However, you are still talking to a licensed professional. Um, really, you're talking to another person. If this person mm-hmm. is not your friend or somebody that you're comfortable showing your... I mean, clearly the person was comfortable showing their underwear, right, if they got a sure. camera. But we had to have a conversation about boundaries and why sure. boundaries look different according to who you are with, right? Yeah. Like, we don't talk to our boss the same way we would talk to our best friend yeah we don't talk to a teacher the same way we would talk to a peer um so that those type of conversations but it's 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 interesting yeah I well it makes me I I, and again I think 
a huge reason why we're having this specific episode in particular because mm-hmm. there's two I can almost feel two parts of me for my IFS folks right yes <laughs> two parts of me that are in direct conflict with each other right there's the very clinical therapeutic side of me that's like well that's all very telling right like mm-hmm. oh what, absolutely what is it in this client's history or this person's history um where they are struggling with those boundaries or mm-hmm. knowing them or is this a a display that comes from a place of trauma do they right. have kind of this um overly comfortable feeling with other people and what does yep. that lead to um that clinically my brain goes wild with that right right, I'm like, right. okay where is this coming from what does it all mean um is this is there more to this but then as a as a business owner or as a more like from a strategic standpoint it's mm-hmm. very um like no that is a hard line why are we crossing that totally inappropriate yep. and it feels much more rigid in that sense and so i think it's a unique struggle particularly for therapists with running businesses mm-hmm. because we have to balance the clinical aspect of us that wants to like explore it further yep. and you know the other piece of us that's this nope this is not okay right um yeah it yeah it just brings me into that balance of like whoa yeah so the way I would explain it to my clinicians the way I view it even now when I still find myself trying to teeter that line is how I explain the message like where my boundary is coming from um offering them the understanding that no I don't think this person got on camera to flash the clinician right I don't think um even my clients now get on camera doing anything with malicious intent but rather just like you said maybe not having an understanding of where the parameters are and wondering how that does show up in their lives with other people um and then on goes right because that could be a clinical like teaching moment of course um that could be a, a way for clients to have adapt a different perspective if it's one that's helpful to them yeah. um you know so yes i think that's yeah yeah there's so much learning involved in every part of that process of addressing it Mm -hmm. um but we first have to be fairly not that we have to predict every situation that might happen with it with our clients but we have to be clear in where the line is for Mm -hmm. us um that again there are people who might be comfortable with one thing and then there might be people who are not as comfortable with something else as far as how they meet with their clients and what that all looks like um yeah it it, when we're talking about all this I come back to those two parts that get divided in me and I it feels very um like business owner rigid people will often say like think with your CEO mindset Mm. and that just makes me cringe because I don't feel like a CEO I don't yeah I mean I guess technically I am Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like one just in the sense that my understanding and image that I get of a CEO is very different than how I actually identify being as a person um and then there's this other clinical empathetic compassionate yeah curious side of me um that probably gets railroaded more than she should Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's a, a very clear difference in the lines that are to be crossed yeah or kind of the boundaries in those between those parts I am wondering how 
that experience has been for you enforcing I guess let's back up like what was it like for you enforcing policies that you hadn't actually written but that a practice that you worked with or an agency or whatever setting you were in the policies that they put in place how was it for you enforcing those or kind of knowing where the boundaries were um at times it was uncomfortable because there were certainly some policies that were in place that I didn't quite agree with um just because things happen right so life happens um where and people can't always meet us where we're at sometimes we have to meet people where they're at um and I but then again from a business standpoint I'd understand why those boundaries were set right because do you have an example yeah so for ours we since it was an agency and I know a lot of agencies do this it was you need to be seen weekly to receive meds but then weekly weekly but then what would happen when a client got to the point where they were maintained and it's actually not ethical to see them on a weekly basis because what are we what are we doing talking for an hour if you don't have anything to talk about? Who am I to force you to use your insurance? We've met your treatment goals. We've met your treatment goals. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, you think about it from a monetary standpoint as well as if this client doesn't need this session, what are we doing charging for a session that's not needed? So I think I thought about it in many different angles. Um, and that one was was really hard because to me is, well, if they're working with a therapist either on uh, every other week basis or, or monthly check-ins and the client is maintained and they had no history of any risky behaviors, you know, with medication management, then why are we not offering that type of flexibility? Right. Um, because... Yes, it's it's unethical also to force someone to be in therapy. Um, that's also unethical. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, it depends. I mean, you have mandated clients, right? That well, yes, that's yes, different, yeah, right? Mandated. But I'm talking about clients that are here, like that are in treatment voluntary, because at yes. that point now I'm taking away their choice. Well, right, then it becomes no longer voluntary. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yes, so it's like a mandated client. Sure, I understand that's by law. Um, you know. There, I have thoughts about that as well that we'll get to at maybe another point. Um, but yeah, yeah. What what yeah. am I doing? Telling someone no, you you need to be here. I'm so I'm so glad you're doing so well and yeah. congratulations on that. But also sorry. So how did you deal with that then? Given that that was like the policy that you were working under, who the people that you were working for, the the mm-hmm. agency that you're working for. Um, had put that in place, that expectation that they're seeing weekly in order to get meds. How did you as a therapist mediate that? I referred as appropriate. I love that. I referred as appropriate. Sorry, now we're losing that client because they don't need, they don't need to be here. So I would find them a med only provider and now they can, you can give them your services. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, That's a, sticky situation because it's one where you do not feel in alignment as a therapist continuing to see somebody under this policy and yet it's a policy that technically you have to enforce yes and so where you did find control in that situation was with like within that therapy room of hey sounds like it might be a better option to go see someone else yep who only offers medication yep yeah yes and should you decide that you need therapy again, you can always right here. return. Um, 
yeah, that that sounds like it was very beneficial. Yeah. In it, well, how you handled that. Yep. Yeah. Well, when we think about that transition then into private practice, how did you, what was your approach? What did you think of when it came to policies? Did you think about policies? Did you think about that balance and drawing the line between being a business owner and um, how that's reflected in your policies versus how being a therapist is reflected into your policies? Talk to me a little bit about that. I think the biggest thing for me has been attendance um, because in private practice, you know that if your clients don't attend, well, you don't get paid. Um, and that can, that can, that is difficult um, because you, in order to keep showing up for your clients, you have to meet your needs, right? Your business is going to keep running if you're not having any income. Um, and finding that line. So like when writing up my attendance policy, what my cancellation policy was, I think that's where I struggled the most. Um, it's just trying to find the fine line because again, life happens. Um, and I think about like my, I used to take care of my dad. Um, he was sick a lot, sometimes would fall a lot. And so sometimes I had to duck out of work or I had to duck out or I had to cancel an appointment to, I mean, that's a whole different you know, thing is putting mm-hmm. me, myself in the back burner for my dad that opens up a different can of worms, but it does happen. Um, you know, I was the only child, so, and I was closest to him. So oftentimes that's what would have to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think about like clients who may be put in that situation. And I think about what was I grateful for what people offered me. And I try to implement that into my policies as well. It's just some understanding, but also boundaries, um, because, you know, if I notice that there's a pattern out of that cancellation, well, now that's a different conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. 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 What about you? I, I think, um, going into private practice, I think I had kind of this, I was almost overly aware of the boundaries in the sense that I had come from, um, it started out in like agency slash community health, mental health type work, um, where there was a lot of um, Medicaid clients, and we wouldn't get reimbursed for mm. any sort of um, late cancellations or no shows. Right. And it, I remember just oftentimes feeling really, 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 really exhausted and stuck yep. because I would have you know, I could have a whole like 10 hour day scheduled and, you know, you're all of the ones in between cancel. And so then I'm stuck there from nine until whatever, but everybody's canceled. So it was kind of this, I came out of that and even from group practice and into my own private practice, looking at my policies being like, there's no way in, in heck I'm going to you know, let any, have any like flexibility in this. These are my policies. I'm very rigid in it. Um, I took Medicaid and had a, a different type of expectation in the sense that, you know, if there's this many no-shows, then we're going to have this type of, and I was going into it very, very rigid. Mm. That policy eventually switched and changed. And, um, I really have, struggled and still even now I right I mentioned those two parts I still at times feel kind of this really strong pull between 
business owner, what makes sense for like, this is my livelihood and this is what's fueling my life. Like this is my career and my living while also having compassion and empathy for people's lives that shit shit happens right shit happens to me right like there are days where I wake up and am unable to make it because I came down with a really yep unexpected sickness or I had an emergency or something like that I think it's important to have some of that flexibility but walking that fine line between being understanding and also knowing that this is a business that that this is my livelihood right um and so it's been hard. It hasn't been easy, I think. I went into it really rigid, have slowly tried to tune in, I guess, to my internal compass on where that actually makes sense and what the balance is Yeah. Um, between having clear boundaries and that boundaries don't have to be uncompassionate. Right. I think... I think it's also important to remember that boundaries can change according to the experiences and the knowledge that we gain. Um, so if, like you said, right, your, your boundaries started very rigid um, and then over time they evolved um, to be in, more ali- in alignment with the type of therapist that you're becoming. Um, and I noticed the same transition. I mean, I haven't been in private practice as long as you have. Sure. Um, but even in the short time that I have been, um, I revisited my attendance policy about two to three times and I think the one that I have currently is is feels just right um you know so there there is a lot to to balance and grad school sure doesn't talk about it or prepares you for it just kind of have to learn on your own yeah well let's think a little bit about kind of that that difference right like I obviously grad school doesn't doesn't talk about any of this um agencies don't necessarily prepare you for this in the private practice world it's really something that you kind of discover once you're out and on your own um so let's talk a little bit about like looking through each of those lens those lenses entirely right so I I I see it really truly as two different spectrums and it maybe that's a little bit of black and white thinking but um I literally wrote on my notes for today's session (laughs) for today's podcast I'm not Elon Musk <laughs> like that is so there's no shade to, well whatever <laughs> I, <laughs> when I think of CEO or like business owner this is probably like some of my own internal work that I have to do but <laughs> when I think of those terms someone like myself does not come to mind I think of like Jeff Bezos or mm-hmm. Elon Musk or yep. like where they're literally running like sweat factories. Yes. <laughs> like it's just, I, okay, I'm being extremist here, but it's just that cold hearted. Mm-hmm. We have a business to run. I don't know. It just does. That's not who I. It's quantity over quality. Yeah. Production, 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 production. numbers, numbers, numbers. Yep. What are we producing? What are we putting out there? Like all of this mindset around almost self-focused right Right. like they're the ones benefiting from that Mm -hmm. entirely and a lot of their workers are mistreated and not and not exactly cared for right um obviously I'm not a group practice owner so it's just me myself and I Mm -hmm. but I guess I more so mean that relationship as like 
clients yeah. as well. Do you have like a different, when you look through that like business owner or CEO lens, what comes up for you or pops up for you? I'm, I feel what you said for sure. Um, I think about, so today I had an eye exam and for whatever reason they asked for my occupation and I could not get myself to write CEO. I put private practice owner, um, but I couldn't get myself to write CEO either because it just doesn't feel right. And I, I always think, just write therapist on those questions. <laughs> You know what I am. (laughs) Yes. No, literally therapist. Um, But even so, because of what I'm noticing, my like a lot of the things I have to tear open within myself about what it takes to run a business. I'm like, I'm not just a therapist, though. Um, I do different things. You know, I do a little bit of marketing, a little bit of administrative work. I do a little bit of everything. I wear a lot of hats. Um, it makes me yeah. I'm so sorry. It makes no, you're me good. think of that bit. Like, have you ever seen those videos where it's like the 90s sitcom like, yes. intro and it's like, not the she's the face. Yeah, yes. Everybody's like looking, <laughs> but because it's just you, it's like yes, you it's every you. time it's like yep. accountant, <laughs> therapist, <laughs> marketer it's like every time yeah sorry anyway no no that's hilarious because that's yes I pictured that immediately as you said it yes give a cheesy thumbs up to yeah. the camera <laughs> um but yeah that's um you're all of those things yes yeah I am all of those things and I agree I think we have probably this idea of what a CEO looks like because we have these titans in the industry um And then seeing what they produce, right? Because like, okay, um, sure, we get cheap stuff from Amazon, but also are are these people getting paid a fair wage? Yeah. Probably not. Are giving them equitable benefits? Right, exactly. Um, The other piece of that too is we are women. Mm -hmm. And I think, not even stereotype, but historically, CEOs have and business owners and successful people, quote unquote, have been men and largely white men. So as women and even yourself as a woman of color, right? Mm -hmm. Like moving towards that that kind of ceiling that's set for us is terrifying. And it can be hard to acknowledge or accept that title for ourselves as like business owner or even... CEO, even though it's a small private practice, right? right. Like it, you are right. the CEO, yes. right? Like yes. it's just, um, yeah. And it's, so I had looked up before we, um, started some different personality traits just to kind of get a difference of like how I, at least how I conceptualize the differences that the internal conflict that comes up mm. of like, oh, which hat am I wearing? Yeah. Um, so when we look at CEO personality traits, this is just like from the interwebs. Um, it outlines CEOs as being fairly like skeptical, um, pragmatic. They are fast paced, um, more autonomous and dominant. And that I think kind of, sits with my idea of Mm -hmm. a CEO and then I look at that I'm like well that's not me like that those things are not me that doesn't fit with how I see myself as a therapist so are out of any of those traits is there anything that you see for yourself that is 
I guess the flip side or like the reframe where it's beneficial like those things to me at least come off as like negative like I don't want to be dominant right or I don't want to be fast-paced or pragmatic or skeptical um see when I think of this as personality traits of a person I actually am quite aligned with a lot of them but in really yes Hmm. but in the therapy room I'm tend to be more again collaborative because I truly believe in the power of collaboration in the therapy room so I cannot work harder than my client my client also cannot work harder than me right we work together um that's why I think it stands out to me as like oh like I'm not super autonomous like I like want to work with my clients so then it stands out to me as like negative well then maybe I'm not a CEO in that sense yeah like I think with my therapist brain no I don't align with that but looking at those traits from what my personality is is like outside of being a therapist that is sure almost almost entirely me I happen I'm more autonomous than I am collaborative in my outside relationships so do you see a benefit to any of these when you look through like the not necessarily like personally but like as we're talking about like being a therapist being in the room with our clients running a business that's private practice like are there any of these that aren't just outwardly like negative um, that are not outwardly negative. Yeah. I would say the autonomous because you got to have a level, you got to have that strength in order to be able to run your own practice because you're doing it by yourself. You're having to make a lot of decisions by yourself. Sure. So you have to be somewhat sure of yourself. If we're always second guessing ourselves, then yes, I think our experience is going to be always very up and down. Yeah. Um, so I see that as actually a strength. That makes sense. Um, I, I would say that's about it. Um, uh, I would almost say dominant, but not in like the domineering, right. know-it-all kind of way, but dominant more so. I feel like that speaks, if we're thinking in this like therapist, private practice, business owner sense, that could be closer to the lines of like having clear... Mm-hmm. boundaries and being able to like face difficult conversations with clients in the sense about policies and what the expectations are um that that requires almost a little bit of dominance in the yeah. sense of like this is right this is what it is yeah let's talk about it we can have space right. to process how you feel about it how you're reacting to the policy or what's going on um and I feel like that requires some dominance yeah, that's fair. I like that. And with that, then, then I'd add expressive. So interestingly enough, the CEOs here were rated closer to expressive than matter of fact. I would have thought it was the other way around. I would think so, too. Um, but I, then, yes, because you need to be able to express your needs and, and you know, have be comfortable having difficult conversations um, because undoubtedly, right, is... Not everybody needs to agree with our, this is what I explain to my clients also, since I do a lot of boundary works, we don't always necessarily need to agree with people's boundaries. We just need to understand where they're coming from. Um, And some boundaries don't even need that, right? Like touch, don't understand, don't need to agree, just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, that's, you know, um, I would add that one as well. Yeah. So then in contrast, when we look at the like, quote unquote, personality traits of a counselor, um, they tend to be we tend to be more risk averse more trusting kind of in the middle of optimism and pragmatic um 
closer to fast pace versus deliberate, more expressive than matter of fact, more collaborative mm-hmm. and more supporting versus dominant. What is that? Do you agree? Is there anything that you, um, I mean, obviously it's hard to lump every yes. single therapist into one <laughs> right. personality category, but just in the more general sense, how does that I actually disagree with the first one. I think therapists are a lot more comfortable with risk than people think. I mean, we, I think a bit from the clinical sense, right? We don't run away from somebody screaming their head off or someone saying, making, you know, I don't want to use the word scary statements, but like, you know, like statements of self-harm. We actually sit in there and we look that straight in the face. We don't run. So I was actually really surprised to see that put See, us more towards risk aversive that's so averse. interesting because it to me that's not surprising oh. like I think of us as being very because a lot of us are in this field and our focus is so much on other people and mm. other people's well-being that we tend to often make ourselves small and we don't feel like we can take space that I okay. can't charge that I can't not take insurance I can't have this policy because that's different than what my colleagues believe oh my gosh, no one around me offers this type of service. And so maybe I shouldn't do that. That a lot of us are are fearful of stepping outside yeah. of what's considered the norm in our field and kind of breaking down some of those walls and barriers and stigmas. Um, that that actually, to me, like speaks very well to being a therapist, which when we think in the business sense is pretty conflicting yeah because as a business owner there's tons of of risk risk. I mean even just opening private practice is a is a Mm -hmm. risk and so we have to be willing to be in some of that a little bit um even though in our nature I think a lot of us tend to try to stay small like well I'm not in this to make a lot of money and who am I to try to tell my clients that their car accident is you know not a good enough reason to cancel. Right. Not right. that people are doing that, but yeah. a lot of policies or boundaries that therapists put in place can be perceived as being harsh or cruel because mm-hmm. our job, quote unquote, is to be understanding and compassionate and think about other people, which of course, yes. Yes. But we are also people and trying to run a business and have to have boundaries. You know, yeah. I did not think of it that way. And I think that with that explanation then yes then yes I can totally see that um because therapists go into I mean I I most therapists that I've met are completely like selfless and almost a little self-sacrificial which I think uh, self-sacrifice is a strong narrative in our field which I think we need to start walking out of um because again if we're our job is to model healthy boundaries and relationships and we can't be we tell our clients not to do that so we have to do that as well Um, is what I you know tell myself whenever I am putting a boundary and I know that it may ruffle some feathers Um, but again like you said we're also running a business here Um, I I can't keep showing up for my client if I can't afford my office rent if I'm worried or I'm worried about my own electricity exactly if my own basic needs yeah 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 yeah. absolutely um yeah. And I, I mean, I certainly agree with like collaborative, like mm-hmm. I think that that's where we're at. Um, so we had talked about some of the maybe perceived negative traits of like a CEO and how they might actually be positive. Yeah. Thinking about the traits that present as a counselor, 
um, like thinking of other people, being more risk adverse, um, being more collaborative, being more supportive. Are there any negatives to those things? If we look at like, ideally, I think we look at collaboration as a good thing and we look at being supportive as a good thing, but what could be a drawback to that and how that might conflict with our businesses? To me, the fast paced, um, I think therapy should be quality over quantity always. Mm. This is not the type of field where I think it behooves a therapist to see 40 plus people a week um, to make ends meet. Right. Because we're, we are hearing and seeing and supporting people through very difficult moments in their life. Um, there is such thing as vicarious trauma. There is such thing as transference counter-transference, you know, all of that. Um, I don't think that that is actually healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see why it's beneficial in some regard, um, but I think about, like, scheduling nine people a day. You don't even have time to eat or pee. Right. Like, what are we doing? Right. Not healthy. No, (laughs) not at all. Not good for us. Right. Um, Constantly thinking about hustling and putting forth all this effort and go, 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 go. And, and it just is, it tends to be not healthy for us Mm -hmm. going back to kind of our burnout episode. Um, yeah, yeah. So definitely fast paced, um, could be, is, it is not, not great, um, necessarily. And I think about even, um, collaborative and supporting. So like, we have autonomous versus collaborative and therapists are rated as being more collaborative, supported versus dominant. So as opposed to a CEO who is more dominant, therapists are seen as being more supportive. And I think that the drawback that we talked about basically going off of the CEO point that I had made um, is I would worry, and I do worry, I've, I've even experienced it with myself and it's been a hard thing to try to balance that walking that line of understanding the struggles and difficulties, challenges that clients are facing, um, being able to conceptualize their life story and patterns and know where that a lot of their stuff is coming from while also holding firm boundaries. Right. And so I think of like this in the sense of if you lay a boundary of, um, I don't do sessions while clients are driving. No yeah. telehealth sessions while clients are driving. Um, but if we lean too much into like this collaborative and supporting place, not that it has to be cold and rigid, but mm-hmm. if we lean too much into that, are we putting ourselves in a position where, well, I know that they're a truck driver and they work 12-hour days and you know, then when they go home, their family's there and they don't have any privacy. And so I guess maybe I could do a phone session Mm -hmm. while they're driving. And we're like, it feels like a really slippery slope to bending some of those boundaries um, out of an intent to be supportive and collaborative. When in reality, it could just be that there's probably a better fit out there somewhere for them. Or we can hold that boundary and talk to that person a little bit about where is their wiggle room? Mm -hmm. Who says you have to go home right after? Can you stay in your car parked in the driveway for an extra hour and have your session? And we can do it while you're in your car and you're in that privacy. Mm -hmm. Um, How can your partner help you out 
um, in a way of getting you this help that you need? Can they provide an extra hour of childcare? Can a grandparent step in? Can that there are, you know, do you stop for a lunch break? Can you stop for a lunch break during your drive? And I don't know that. Yeah. So I think if we lean too far into some of those qualities, we get into a place of being tempted to enable flex and enable. Yeah. 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 I think you're absolutely right. Is it's about finding a balance, right? With everything is it's usually not the best practice to operate in extremes. Um, finding the balance because not everything is an extreme. Sometimes we just need to use those. So, like being able to talk about those things is collaboration. It's yes. collaborative, yes. Um, but it's also not going to the opposite extreme. Where, I mean, it's like we said before. What if you're distracted and something happens to you? What the hell am I supposed to do if I'm on the other side? <laughs> right, right. Like, what am I supposed to do, you know? Um, so, yeah. 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 And I think supportive can come into play, too, with if, let's say, you have somebody who is um, canceling a lot mm-hmm. more, right? Like, that we've suddenly seen an increase in canceling. And I think you and I have both had the mutual experience that as soon as we start EMDR, Sometimes people will tend to drop off or be a little bit, you know, more willing to miss sessions. And I think at that point, it's not about flexing the boundary or the policy, but the supportive nature and the collaborative nature comes in, like you said, about talking about it. Hey, I've noticed that in the past few weeks, we've been late to our sessions we've been canceling more often rescheduling more often I'm wondering what's happening here I can't help but notice it happened kind of around the same time that we started EMDR processing Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm wondering if we can talk about that because here's the boundary and I don't and I don't want um us to have to run into that as as an issue how can we process this together and it's not here, let me try to, is there something that works better for you? Let me try to flex and figure out like, well, maybe. Bend over backwards. Right. That instead it's a a conversation and it could Mm -hmm. be something that's clinical. Perhaps they are feeling nervous or avoidant of, you know, like, oh gosh, what is this going to all stir up? Yep. Um, Or it could be something more logistical. Like, well, actually my partner got a new job last week and now our schedules are all misaligned. I got to pick the dog up from doggy daycare but even then we can still have a conversation about, okay, I hear you. What, what can we do with this? What, right. what can, um, what can happen here? What can you do to make this easier so you don't have to continually incur this, this fee? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote in, in essence of like needing flexibility in these boundaries. I'm not Elon Musk, but I'm also not a doormat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was the bulk of my notes. Right. But I think that's been a a hard, it's just been a hard and ongoing journey of trying to balance. Um, I, I have compassion and understanding and I'm open and caring, but I also have limits. Yeah. Yeah. And they're important for both me and my clients. Right. I yeah. think that was well said. Thank you. <laughs> that was perfectly said. That's, Thank you. That's why we have boundaries right there, my friends. Yeah. Um, is lean into yourself so you you can be un, you know unapologetically you because oftentimes we have boundaries for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it's so that we don't feel resentful because there's really no point in not having boundaries just to build up resentment. That's usually what sickens a relationship in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That was well said, Laura. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I think, um, to wrap this up a little bit, um, it, I'm reflecting on our conversation about the different workplaces and how we would rate them. We had both rated private practice as not being quite five stars, but four and a half stars, Mm -hmm. um, both taking away a half star because of this business owner balance that we have to do. Um, and I think it's really something important to consider if people are considering going into private practice, if you're already in it, perhaps you've already felt this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but an ad- certainly an advantage to being in a group or an agency if you don't want to have to do this dance. Right. Um, but it is an inevitable part of being For sure. in private practice solo or running a group yeah. practice um, that you have to be clear about the business practices and the therapeutic differences that come in, right? That like, we're not Amazon. We are not a large corporation. We're not mass producing mental health services. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? Um, Just that I still think it's worth it. Yeah. I really do. I think it's worth it. I think when you have time to think is when you're able to lean into yourself enough to actually have thoughts about who it is that you want to be, how it is that you want to present yourself. And that can also reflect um, both therapeutically, but also in your business, yeah. um, your, you know, your business side of, of things. Um, yeah. I still, and, and there are some days where, I mean, there are some weeks where I think I've texted you like, oh, t- this was a bad attendance <laughs> week. <laughs> um, and that can get a little discouraging and a little anxiety provoking, but even so, I all I can ever ask myself is, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I feel similarly. And I think the beauty of it is that there's a lot more creativity and oh, flexibility yeah. that we can lean into that often we don't. It goes back to right. risk adverse versus risk tolerant. And um I think a lot of us will tend to just kind of fall in line with, oh, um, this is the this is how their the most general mm-hmm. therapists work or offer their services, and so um, that's just what I have to do. But I think we see more and more people becoming creative with how mm-hmm. they offer services. I've seen a lot of people who are now branching out to do like walk and talk therapy. Yep. Um, people who are offering, um, well myself included, but offering like EMDR intensives Mm -hmm. or extended EMDR sessions or um, people who do like intense couples retreats as like a package or um, getting really creative with like their attendance policies, how they work. Some people want people in like a weekly reoccurring regular spot. Other people, you know, leave it open and willy nilly, which is totally fine. It's kind of where I lean towards. Um, but there's creativity in that. There's mm-hmm. no one right answer, run right way to work. It's really about getting in touch with where you stand and yep. getting creative with it. It's really whatever you make it. And I think we oftentimes just shove ourselves into a box and say, this is what I have to do. So, yeah. 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 But in that regard, I think it's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely worth it because you really, there's joy that can be in that pleasure, that creativity. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Time begets creativity. Yes. Yes. Well, that discussion made me feel a lot better and not alone. So 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please write, review, subscribe, follow, and share. It really helps us out. We appreciate all of the support. And until next time, sincerely to Imperfect Therapists.